a year ago, Patty and the worship team and I were all in here with a few cameras, and that's it. <laughs> uh, Mary was in the back running things. David was running errands. <laughs> and uh, so it is a joy to see you all here tonight. If there was a name for tonight's message, I guess I might entitle it Intersections. I don't know what you all, well, I kind of do know what some of you joke about. Um, but, you know, I don't like to tell you that clergy are different, but we do tell different stories. Um, we do have a different joke repertoire. Um, for, for example... <laughs> for example, one of the uh, one of my classmates and dear friends um, on his internship, that was the year we were sent out into the world, you know, we've been studying for two years, um, you go out into the world and you actually practice what you've been learning at a church and then you come back for your final year of study. And um, so Jeff and his wife Patty got assigned to a small church in Wisconsin and he sent us a picture uh, now, this was before text, so we had to wait a while to get the picture. It was a photograph, you know, that's printed and then sent in the mail. Um, snail mail, by the way. And um, he sent us this picture, and it's the street signs outside their house. And they lived at the corner, at the intersection of uh, a Faith Avenue and Piety Street. Now, how's that for a preacher? at the corner of faith and piety. See, we just tell different stories and different jokes. <laughs> and so that intersection uh, kind of became a little bit of humor for us throughout that internship year. You know, we'd talk about how Jeff was still on the corner of faith and piety, while the rest of us were like on Troost in Kansas City, downtown Kansas City. And... Uh, so, so the, the intersections of our lives become an important part of, of who we are, how we live, how we respond. And, um, I mean, just think of the intersections that you drive by as you head out onto the streets here. Tonight we have a few intersections to look at as well in this scripture text. By looking at these intersections, perhaps we can see a little more clearly how God is actually working in your life, in our world. The story takes us to the intersection of the streets that are named power and love. On the one side of the street, you have a powerful emperor, Caesar Augustus. He ruled over the whole Roman Empire, which really controlled the western part of the globe, a western part of the world. Very powerful, powerful man. Emperor Caesar Augustus would just make a statement and it would become law. And so he was the powerful ruler at the time of Jesus' birth. In this lineage, you also have a man named Quirinius, Cyrenius might be a more accurate pronunciation of it. Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. 
Syria encompassed much of the Middle East. And so Judea, the place where Bethlehem and Jerusalem are located, in that southern part of Israel, Judea was a part of, of Cyrenius' governorship of Syria. And so when there was a registration, um, an enrollment, uh, pre preparation for a new taxes system, and so when that was taken, Quirinius was the governor and the one in charge of the taxes, of the registrations, of the enrollments. So he was the, the implementer. It was perhaps Caesar who decided he wanted a new tax, but it was Quirinius who actually made it happen. In the midst of these two very powerful men, on the other side of the street, the love side of the street, you have a young pregnant teenager named Mary who is accompanied by her betrothed. That means that they're engaged, that the marriage has not been fulfilled yet. And they are making their way to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph's family is from and he needs to go there to be enrolled, to be registered. And so Mary, this pregnant teen, is on her way with this builder. We often call him a carpenter, but in Nazareth there wasn't a lot of woodwork that was being done. It was mostly masonry, mostly stone. So he was some kind of builder. And this was not a love story. It never was in Israel. <laughs> it was an arranged marriage. And so Joseph and Mary were together because their parents had made the arrangement that they should be married. Mary is pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, and she is trusting that God is still in control of her life. She is hoping beyond hope that God is in control of her life. So at this intersection, you have Caesar, who is this most powerful man in the world. And he has never submitted to anyone. Along in this intersection, you have Mary, who has now submitted her whole life to God. At this intersection, Augustus and Quirinius have chosen to have power and money and wealth. But Mary has chosen differently at this intersection. She has chosen to surrender her life to God and to God's purposes. The story continues for us in Bethlehem. At the intersection of shelter and homelessness. While in Bethlehem, the time has come for the baby to be delivered. Of course, of course it's going to happen on the trip, right? And there is no room. Now, we always say there's no room in the end. Actually, there was no inn. Um, what you did was you went to your family and asked them to give you room. 
and uh, lodging. And so Joseph would have gone to his family and asked them. And I don't know if he just wasn't handsome enough or um, if he wasn't uh, rich enough or, or powerful enough. His family apparently turned him down. Nobody had room for him. Maybe he was beat out by other relatives. You know, the cousins from Jerusalem got there first. And, and so he has, he has no place for Mary to go. Perhaps one family member finally obliges and says, you can use the cattle stall. Take her out to the back and use the cattle stall. Now, I want you to know that my grandfather had cattle stalls because he had cattle. And uh, it is not the romantic nativity picture that you often get about Christmas time. Some of you maybe have grown up around farms, and uh, I'll just tell you that it's not a beautiful sight, and it doesn't smell very nice. And this is what Mary is relegated to. She is given a cattle stall with a manger, which is actually a feed trough. It's where the cattle would feed from. So, at the, shelter, at the intersection of shelter and homelessness, the baby is born and placed into this manger, this feed trough. And what's fascinating in this story is that the baby is the new king of Israel. Instead of residing on the streets of power, God has chosen to come to us in the streets of homelessness. Instead of being greeted by military bands and parades, this new king is welcomed into the world by farm animals and some shepherds. Now let's talk briefly about shepherds because I know I've talked about them in the past and I think I've given them a little bit of a bad rap. You know, shepherds um, were not all criminals, and, you know, shepherds were, were not bad people. They were just the lowest part of the class structure that they had at that time. As a church, we have made a couple of ventures into Quito, Ecuador, to work with a couple of missions there. And one of the things that we have learned from our work there is that in Quito, Ecuador, they have a group of shepherds but they don't call them shepherds. They just call them um, the people who live at the dump because that's where they live and that's where they work. And they have families and they have children who play on the trash heaps. And so that's kind of what the shepherds' lives would have been like. They weren't necessarily bad people. They were just very poor and not much opportunity they were the lowliest. And so it's not happen chance that God chose to bring his son into the world amongst the lowliest. It's not a surprise that God would bring his son into the world at the, section, at the intersection of the, lowly, the, the lowliest and the powerless and those struggling with hope. 
Because you see, what Jesus came for was to bring you hope. Jesus came to bring hope, and he brought that hope. And he continues to bring that hope by the power of his word as he gives it to you. And so if you're feeling like you are without hope tonight, then Jesus has come for you. If you had hoped that this COVID-19 stuff would all be over with by now, if you had hoped that our nation would finally have come together, if you had hoped that the illness that came would not take your loved one's life, if you had hoped that your children would follow Jesus, if you had hoped that you wouldn't lose your job, if, if, you, had, if you had hoped for justice, if you had hoped, then tonight is for you. Because God has come for you tonight. Because Jesus is the restorer of hope. Jesus is the one who brings life into this world. Hope is found in and through this little baby that we celebrate tonight, the Christ child, the child king. Hope is found in love. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In that 13th chapter where we read for most of the weddings that we do, you know, it was actually about a church fight, but hey, you know, the wedding someday will turn into a church or into a, a family fight on occasion, right? We've all been there. And, and so what Paul was writing was to give us hope because this is how he closes that 13th chapter. That the greatest things that we have that will endure forever are faith and hope and love. But the greatest of these three is love. The greatest is love. This love is so great that it came down from heaven to deliver itself to us through this baby. So tonight, where do you find yourself? At which intersection are you at? If you find yourself at the intersection of homelessness and lowliness, then love has come for you. If you find yourself at the intersection of grief and injustice, then love has come for you. If you find yourself at the intersection of powerlessness and sickness, love has come for you. May the baby born on this night bring you God's gifts of faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these gifts is love. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this night that you have chosen to come to us to bring us life. In the midst of our struggles, give us faith. Bring us your hope. And share with us your love.
that we may be empowered to share that with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.